You know, it was really cool. Um, so this morning, I don't know if you felt it, but worship was, uh, it was pretty hot this morning, wasn't it? Wasn't it great? So there was a whole group of people who um, came to the first service and they decided to stay for the worship the second service. That's a pretty good sign that the worship was, uh, something was going on. So anyway, those of you who are here for the first time, I guess you missed it. Some people got it twice, so if you want to come twice, you can. Anyway, um, there's a lot going on at Grace, way more than we could ever announce. need to say it every Sunday, but please, please, please read your bulletin. Uh, go to gracewired.com. Check out all the things that are going on. Ask the Lord where you should participate, what you should jump into. Uh, one of the things I do want to point your attention to, oh, Roots, you're dismissed. So if you're part of the junior high ministry, you can head on out. Um, November 7th is an all-day retreat here at Grace. Uh, it includes breakfast. It includes lunch. Uh, we have a whole lot planned for you. It's the Alpha Retreat. So if you are a part of Alpha, uh, we want you to be a part of this retreat. Over and over we hear uh, year after year that this is a life-changing event. Um, and we would want the same thing for you. And we don't want you to miss out on it. So if you are participating in Alpha, uh, whether it's a home group here on Sundays or on uh, Tuesday evenings, or if you're part of Fishbones, we want you to come. And this week, they're going to give you an RSVP card. We really need you to fill that out. Um, we really need you to fill it out with a yes, I'm coming. Um, but then we can count because we're going to have to, like I said, serve breakfast, serve lunch. There's a lot there that we have to coordinate, but it would be great to uh, get everyone that's participating. I heard this week that we are uh, the largest alpha group in the United States in a Protestant church. That's pretty cool. So that being said, if you're not participating in alpha, you still can. If you want to come today at 1 o'clock, great. If you want to come tonight or uh, Tuesday night. If you come tonight, we won't be here. If you come Tuesday night, we will be. Uh, we'd love for you to participate. It's not too late. There's still uh, four more weeks plus the retreat. You're still going to get a ton of great stuff out of it. And I don't want you to miss the good thing that God is doing around here. So get plugged in. Uh, and I also want to encourage you to bring a friend still. It's not too late for that. Last week, we had a couple visitors at uh, the Fishbones location, uh, and it was awesome. They, they just they jumped right in. I want to actually read for you uh, one of the people that came, this is the story of the person who did the inviting, uh, and I just love the story, so I asked her to send it to me. Uh, it said it was last week, Thursday, October 15th, and I went to the gro I went grocery shopping at Kroger, and when it came time to check out and pay, I realized I didn't have my Kroger card or my wallet. I got to get those gas points, so I ran home. Isn't that funny? I ran home, and I went back to Kroger, waited in another checkout line, and when I got to the cashier, she said, girl... I like your hat. Oh, and I like your jeans. Oh, and your boots, too. And I smiled and said, it's Jesus juice. I don't know what that means, but it's a new phrase that I use to thank people when they give me a compliment. I said I used to dress to keep uh, the attention of the relationships I was in, you know, their favorite color, types of brand names they liked. And now I just asked Jesus, what should I wear today? So she says all this to the cashier. And the cashier says to her, girl, we got to hang out. I, I love that. I said, well, come to Fishbones Monday night. I'm hosting a table. It's filled with great discussion. I'd love to see you there. Well, Monday night came, and she showed up. She was embraced affectionately by everyone at our table, warmly from everyone in the room. She brought a beautiful insight to the questions. I'm so glad she came, and I'm proud to call her my new friend. Isn't that cool? Aww. We should, we should have the awe section in everything I do. That adds a whole new element. Aww. So the thing that has captured my imagination and my attention is if we would just catch that fever of being contagious about inviting people and just following the promptings, like, like who would think a cashier at Kroger would receive the invitation? And I think it's easier than we think. Just pay attention. 
Um, and part of what I wanted you to hear, it's not too late. Invite your friends to, to Alpha, even if you haven't plugged in, and say, hey, we only got a few weeks left, but I hear some really cool things are happening. Um, let's just blow the doors off of fish bones. Let's just show up. Um, again, if you're not a part of it, become a part of it. Uh, I don't want you to miss out on the good thing that God is doing around here. So we're in week four of this series that we're calling Foundations. And the question that we're asking is, what's holding you up? What is the foundation that you stand on? What keeps you from being washed away when the storms come? In difficult seasons of your life, what is it that, that keeps you solid? Another way of asking the question, what's holding you up, is, is what's keeping you from moving forward in your journey with Christ? The more time we've spent in this series and the more we've been asking that question, what's holding you up, the more I've started to realize how important the question really is. Every one of us ought to stop on a regular occasion and we ought to assess what's holding me up. What is my foundation? What do I believe about people? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about creation? What are the, the very things that I put my trust in? What is my foundational beliefs? What's holding me up? We all should be asking that question on a regular basis. What's holding you up? I had a conversation this week with a young lady and she told me some of her story and she has uh, some horrific events that have happened to her. And as she explained, it was just, it was gut-wrenching even to hear what she had gone through. And, and she said these words, and you've probably heard somebody say it. She said, the only thing that gets me through all of this is my faith. Her faith is what's holding her up. It's what's allowing her to be solid in a season of difficulty. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is, is faith. What I want to do this morning is answer two critical questions, but before I do that, I want to pray. So if you'd pray with me. Lord, I just pray that in these next few minutes that you would guide my words, that you would um, just allow us to hear truth, that you would move in the hearts of the people in this room. I'm so grateful for Mel and for the good hard work that the worship team put into that worship set, and just uh, you could not help but just bump into the spirit of God as we sang, and I pray that that would continue as I teach and that we would know that you are here in this place and that we would interact with the living God and as we pray every week that we would leave different than we came. In Jesus' name, amen. So the two questions we're gonna answer today is, what is faith, what is it, and how can we have faith? So let's start with the first question, what is faith? The best definition of faith comes right out of the scripture. So grab your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to stay in Hebrews or come back to Hebrews. So you may want to put your bulletin in there or a bookmark or however you can keep your place. Um, again, we're going to come back to it. So uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to start. And I want to remind you, bring your Bibles, bring your electronic readers, whatever you use to study the word of God at home, bring that with you. I also want to remind you to take notes. There's a whole lot of data out there that says if you just write a few things down that you're going to remember them longer, you're going to remember them more. So take some notes. And if you hear something that moves you and you are so inclined, we also want to encourage you to post it on Facebook, to uh, put it out there on Instagram or tweet it. Um, and what we want to do is just tell the world that we are learning about truth here on Sunday morning at Grace Community Church. So the question we're starting with is, what is faith? The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. 
Here's what I want you to hear. Everyone in this room, every one of us has faith. It takes faith to believe in people. It takes faith to believe, to even be an atheist. You have to have some type of faith in something. Anybody in this room use GPS? That little thing in your car, it's got the map, and for some reason it's always a woman's voice. I've heard you can change the voice, but I've never actually done that. But there's that woman, and she's telling you. How many of you have to know that you have to put your faith in your GPS? And sometimes she's telling me to turn, and I'm like, no, that's not right. No, no, I'm sure she's wrong. And then I go my own way, and I end up lost and rerouting, and then I finally get back on track, right? But I'm putting my faith in that little computer. Since Meg and I drove out to Wald Lake um, Friday night, and I, I'm telling you, she was wrong. The whole way there, I'm pretty sure I would have ended up in Waterford, but if I hadn't been heard, but I had to put my faith in this little voice coming out of the screen telling me which way to go, right? So we, 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 we use faith all the time. You use faith to drive your car down the freeway. You have faith that the safety features of your car are going to work. You're going to actually be able to stop. I drive a 1998 Dodge pickup truck, and it's a bit of a, a beater. Um, but for a while, the brakes in the truck were a little bit sketchy. It turns out after we took it in for service, we found out that the brakes were only working on one of the front wheels partially and not really at all on the other front wheel and very little in the back. So what would happen when you'd hit the brakes is the truck would like veer hard to the left. So you had to know if, if you were going to hit the brakes, you better hold on to the steering wheel really tight. And it was, it's a great truck if you're an adrenaline junkie because every time you hit the brakes, your life flashes before your eyes. You're filled with adrenaline. But, you know, believe it or not, we got to the point where we didn't have faith in the brakes of the truck. So we... I feel funny saying this. We stopped driving on the freeway. I'm still driving it around on the streets, which is pretty dumb. But anyway, I, I didn't lose total faith. <laughs> I lost a lot of faith. Stopped driving on the freeway. We finally got it in for service. That's when we found out all the things that were wrong with it. And it gave us a chance to thank Jesus for saving our lives over and over. But the, here's the deal. I, the car's been fixed. I, I still am a little unsure about the brakes. Every time I hit the brakes, I still grab a little tighter. I've been conditioned, right? Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Free ride. But anyway, so... So we're not, you know, the thing is, we're not really talking about faith in brakes or faith in GPS systems. We're talking about faith in God. And what I want you to see from the Hebrews 11 passage that we just read is that faith is something different than knowing. It's something different than sight. The Bible compares faith and sight. So Ignatius wrote, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. Think about that for a minute. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. Faith and uncertainty go hand in hand. I think there's something kind of freeing in knowing this, because sometimes we think because we have uncertainty, we don't have any faith. But the truth of the matter is those two things can be working at the same time. Faith is, is not the or opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. So the writer in Hebrews says, confidence in what is hoped for, or assurance about what we do not see. Hoping in something that's not seen. Faith is trusting in something or in someone that we don't fully know. And the key word there is fully. We don't fully know, but we know there's something there. Now, faith can, can be based on experience. Faith can be, can be based on evidence. All of those things come into our faith. But, but the truth of the matter is there still is a level of uncertainty. Otherwise, it wouldn't be faith. It would just be knowing. So the bottom line is, faith is critical because faith really is our foundation. Faith really is what holds you up. So if, if faith is that thing that holds you up, then it begs the second question we're going to look at today is, how can we have faith? Not just faith in anything, but how can we have faith in God? 
So to make this point, I'm going to use this card table as an illustration. And what I want you to do is, is to imagine, if you will, that the top of this card table is faith. Right? And the question we're asking is what? What's holding you up? And in order for this card table to have any functional use, it would need to have legs, right? And in this case, there are four legs on this table, and each of the legs of the table are going to represent a component of having faith. Each of the legs will answer the question for us, how can we have more faith? Okay? So the first leg of our table is the Word of God. Okay? Not a highly functional table yet, but the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have this amazing opportunity to grow in our faith daily, to have more faith on a daily basis. We have the ability to consume the word of God because we have access to the word of God, unlike any other generation in the history of humankind. Think about it. Even if you struggle to read, even if reading isn't one of your strong suits, you can listen to the word of God on CD. You can listen to the word of God uh, off the internet. So the word of God builds our faith. The Bible, the very scriptures of God play a, a big part in, in growing our faith. And they are at our fingertips like, like never before. We actually have the ability to devour the scriptures unlike anyone else in the history of humankind. You can listen to it as you drive in your car. You can listen to it when you work out. You can listen to it while you do your chores at home. You can read it on your phone. You can have your Bible with you anywhere you go. Most of us have our phone always on us and always in our hands. You can always be reading the scriptures. You can read it on your computer. The word of God is so accessible that we are really without an excuse as to leaning into the word of God as a way of building our faith. The passage says faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. That word hearing there, there's something fascinating about it because if you go back and you look at the original word and you, you pull it out of the Greek, it's only in the Bible a few times, but it's not talking about hearing, it's talking about hearing. When you hear something inside, like deep down inside of you, and this really isn't a foreign concept to us. So imagine uh, somebody who's close to you, maybe it's a father or a close friend or your, your boss whom you like, they come up to you and they say, man, you did a great job today. I'm really proud of you. And you ever have somebody say something like that, and, and you, it's not that you hear it, it's that you hear it. Like, it makes you feel so much better. There's something deeper going on. That's the kind of hearing that this passage is talking about. Not just with your ears, but when you hear something in your spirit, something from a, a deeper level. So the passage says, faith comes through hearing, and then it says, and hearing by the word of God. And I think this is a bit of an unfortunate translation, because that word and there... Actually, the more literal translation would be moreover, or even better yet. So faith comes through hearing something inside, right? But even better yet, hearing the word of God. And the word God there, just so you know, is Christos, which just means Christ. Faith comes through hearing deep inside. So you could translate this, this passage. Faith comes through hearing deep in your spirit, and better yet, hearing the word, hearing Jesus who is the Christ? The single best way for us to hear the word is through the word, the scriptures. 
So what did Jesus say about the Bible? He said all of these passages, this entire book serves as a way of pointing towards me. The law and the prophets testify about me. If you want to hear the word of God, then you need to go to the word of God and you will grow in your faith. It's one of the very foundational things that we need in order to have faith, the word of God. Some of you think to yourself, well, I don't know where to start. And my encouragement to you is start with the gospel of John. It's the, it's the one book you can go to and read it like you would read a novel. Read it and, and allow the word of God to speak to you. Allow the word of God to build faith in you. If you're wondering, you know, I've already read the book of John, come up and talk to me. Talk to North Flat. Ask us. We'll lead you in, in different books, and you can even come to us and talk to us about it. But, but be in the Word because it's a central part of building your faith. So the first leg of our table is the Word of God. The second leg of the table, and I've really been alluding to this all the way through, is the Holy Spirit. Which leg do I want? I don't know why it matters, but I like this one. Still not a highly functional table, but we're getting closer, right? Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. It's that speaking that we were just talking about inside, right? That knowing something inside of you. It says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit himself testifies that we are God's children. It bears witness. It reminds us. It tells us who we really are. We have the Word of God, the Bible, and then we have the Spirit of God that makes the Bible make sense. It confirms the very things that we're reading. Have you ever been reading the Word of God and you know that that's just for you? You read something and it lands in that deeper place. That's the Spirit of God speaking to you. So how do we take advantage of the Spirit of God? Well, every time you pick up this book, every time, ask the Spirit of God to speak to you. Say, God, I, I'm going to read this book, and would you please speak through your word and, and tell me what you want me to hear as I read the word of God? Because you see, this is a supernatural book, and it's meant to do supernatural things in your life. And when you invite the Spirit of God into the process of reading the word of God, these two legs of the table work together to build your faith, to make your faith stronger and stronger. And something else happens. As you begin to hear the Spirit speak to you through the Word of God, then you begin to hear the Spirit of God speak to you in your everyday life. The Spirit of God is called the Counselor, right? It's called the Comforter. Well, we learn to have this companion in our life called the Holy Spirit. But that's going to start as you read the Word of God and as you lean into the Spirit and hear the Spirit talk to you. I have people say to me, come to my office all the time and say, God doesn't talk to me. I've never heard God speak to me, and I usually ask this question, have you ever understood a passage of Scripture? And I say, yes, that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. When the Scriptures make sense, be encouraged. The Spirit of God is revealing truth to you because what the Scriptures say is this is all foolishness for those who are perishing. So without the Spirit of God, none of that makes sense. So when you understand something, know that God is speaking to you. So we have two legs of our table, not really a highly functional table yet, but the third leg of our table comes in Hebrews 12. So I told you to keep your place in Hebrews. Go ahead and turn to Hebrews 12. Almost a table. Almost. Hebrews 12. So the writer in Hebrews has just got done talking about the heroes of the faith. He talks about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. 
And he says, he, I love this. So, so he says, there's even more great stories, too many stories for me to even write about all of them, too many for me to share. There's Gideon and Samson and David. And, and then he says, all of these stories of faith, these, these stories about the heroes of the faith, they're there and for the purpose of helping you to, to be encouraged in your own faith. Those stories exist as a way of bolstering or improving your faith. So, so the question is, how do we have faith? Right? So we have faith when we lean into, when we, when we hear the stories of others who have had faith. So Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Since, we're, since we can see all of this, this amazing work that God has done through these heroes of the faith, let us too walk with faith. Let us throw off whatever's holding us back. Right? Remember one of the questions we ask when we ask, What's your foundation? What's holding you back? Right? So, so you let go of what's holding you back and you throw off everything that hinders and you run with perseverance. In verse 2 it says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. The third leg of our table is the great cloud of witnesses. The chief witness is Jesus himself. The stories of those who have lived lives of faith inspire you and I to have more faith. So we read the stories of scriptures, but we allow those stories to speak into our own story, to, to encourage to encourage us to be people of faith. How do we have more faith? We pay attention to the amazing stories of those who have come before us. But the cloud of witnesses, it's not just limited to biblical characters. One of my favorite things to do is to read biographies of of heroes of the faith, people who have gone before me. So I read about pastors who have led reformations or who have, who have endured through difficult seasons or who have launched new ideas within the church and seen great revival happen. I love to read their stories of faithfulness. And I love to read stories of missionaries who have gone to the hardest to reach places of the world and, 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 and taken the gospel, been pioneers in, in these crazy frontiers of, of Christianity. Those are great stories to read. Why do I like reading? Because when I read them, it bolsters my faith. Seeing their faith gives me more faith. But it's not really limited to just these biblical characters or, or these heroes of the faith. The truth of the matter is the the, the people around us, right here in this church, the biblical heroes here in your church are part of the cloud of witnesses, those who help to grow our faith. They're the people sitting right in the row with you. People who are living lives of faith and seeing God show up in spite of their difficulties or in spite of their challenges. People like Cindy Tudor, who's gone through a very difficult battle with cancer, yet by faith, she perseveres. By faith, she's here on Sunday, standing at the door, greeting you. Most of you would probably not even know that she's going through that difficulty because she's got a great smile on her face, and she's welcoming you to grace. And, and I just heard a story about her inviting her friends to Alpha and bringing her neighbor with her, and they come to church together, and then they go to Alpha after the second service. And, and she's doing all that in the midst of battling this very difficult thing called cancer. She's putting her faith in action. She is a hero of the faith. Yeah. People like Tekendria, who has a great job and, and she pays well, and she was about to get a promotion, but she heard the Spirit of God tell her to leave her job and come to work for Covenant, our very uh, little, uh, sorry, the healthcare provider that we have right here in the parking lot. But to do that, she was going to have to take a pay cut. 
But she knew God was calling her. It's by faith that Tecundria leaves one job and takes another, even though she's going to make less money. That's the modern-day hero. That's one of the heroes of the faith. It's John and Yolanda who are raising a severely autistic son who's 16 now. And their dreams have kind of been shattered of what they thought parenting was going to be like. But to my knowledge, I've never heard them complain. They are faithfully raising their son. They are modern-day heroes. They are the great cloud of witnesses that we can see and that can make our faith stronger. It's the single mom who the dad walked out years ago, and she's raised her kids to be great Christ followers in the church. They are the heroes of the faith, the cloud of witnesses, the heroes that, that are all around us. Here's the deal. Spend time with those people. Spend time with people who are, who are being faithful and walking with Jesus, and it will grow your faith. The question is, how do we have faith? And one of the ways is to spend time with people who are faithful, full of faith. Seeing God move in the lives of others is a great way of having more personal faith. Well, our table is almost standing, but we need a fourth leg. And, and the fourth leg of the, of the table is preaching. But it might be different than you might think. How many of you had a card table like this growing up? <laughs> we should clap. We have a table now. So preaching, but preaching probably different than what you're first thinking. So turn to Romans chapter 10, Romans 10. I'm going to read verses 11 through 15. Romans 10, 11 through 15. Paul is writing, and he says, Anyone who believes in Jesus, anyone who believes in him, will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's Paul saying? Pretty clear. Everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved. Right? Whether they're Jew, whether they're Gentile, everyone who calls on him. Verse 14, he says, But how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they've been sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet are those who bring good news. You know what good news is? Another word for good news? The gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel. If you were to go back to Romans, and if we had more time, I could show you this in, in more detail. But just before Paul writes these words, he writes, this is the message concerning faith. I want to write to you about how to have more faith. I want you to hear how you can have more faith. And then he writes these very words that we just read. So, so in doing so, Paul is writing, he says, how can people have faith in God if they don't know who God is? How can they believe in somebody that they've never heard of? And how can they hear of him if no one is preaching to them? And may, let me make something perfectly, absolutely clear that may be a bit of a stumbling block this morning. When you hear what I'm doing this morning, that's what you equate to preaching. But preaching goes way beyond what's happening this morning. This is preaching, but there's something more that Paul is talking about here. Preaching, defined. Proclaiming a message with conviction or persuasion. Sharing the gospel. And what is the gospel? The good news. Sharing the good news. 
So there's kind of two sides to the point I'm trying to make. And the first side of it is, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus, then you are sent, you are called, and you are sent to be a preacher. You are a preacher. I don't know if that makes you feel good or makes you feel a little intimidated. But what it means is you are called to share the good news, the gospel that God has, has brought into your own life. How has God changed your life? How are you different because of your interaction with God? You are to proclaim that with confidence to other people. All of you in this room who know Jesus are called to be preachers. But the second side of this point is that everyone in this room, regardless of where you are, whether you've decided Jesus is for you or you're still on the fence, all of you are on a journey, and that journey is bolstered. Your faith is made stronger. The fourth leg of the table is, is reinforced when you hear the gospel preached to you, when you hear the truth of the gospel over and over, when you hear the good news of Christ, it, it makes your faith stronger. It builds your faith. That's why Sunday mornings, are so important. But that's why small group is absolutely critical for your spiritual growth. Because you sit with one another and you preach the gospel to one another when you share the good news of what God is doing in your life. When I tell you about how God is moving in my life and you tell me how God is moving in your life, we are preaching to one another. We're sharing the good news with one another and our faith is bolstered. You will not survive in the Christian journey unless you are in a relationship with other people where you share and preach the gospel to one another. So we have a table. Looks like a table. But the truth is, this table is uh, somewhat fragile. So how many of you think this table is going to hold me up? Hey, John. John, John just wants to see me fall on my butt. He's like, oh, good. This is going to be fun. So get out. Everybody's got their cameras out. This could be $10,000 on America's phone. Why? I will not stand on this table. You know why? Because I don't have any faith that this table is going to hold me up. I do not have the faith that this is enough. But this table, on the other hand, there you go. There is something I want you to think about in this, in this picture. The first time I walked up on this table uh, was uh, yesterday morning. I came in here and I had the table in here. Um, I didn't walk up nearly this fast. I put my foot on it. I leaned into it. I shook it a little. I was like, they told me it would hold me, so I had a little faith that it would. But to be honest with you, I had, to, I had to take some steps of faith before I would trust that I could be up here and that it was going to hold me up. But what I've learned this week as I've thought about faith is, is some days, listen to this, some days my faith is like that. And some days my faith is like this. That it's not like God says, here's your faith, it's all you get, it's all there is, this is how it is, and whatever you have, you have. Our faith is very dynamic. So by dynamic, I mean it's, it's always changing, it's, it's active. There's something about our faith. Your faith is either growing and it's getting stronger or it is getting weaker. There's no in between. So when we lean into the word of God, when we lean into the spirit moving in our lives, when we, when we actually spend time with one another, when we preach the gospel to one, one another, when we lean into all four legs of the table, and our, 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 then the table becomes strong enough, and it's strong enough to bear the weight of our lives. And that's what we have to have. The question is, what's holding you up? Is it strong enough to bear the weight of living life in a fallen world? 
Because that's what we need. And remembering that our faith is dynamic pulls us into the word. But here's the deal. Take your eyes off of Jesus. Ignore the word of God. Stop listening to the spirits prompting in your life. And your faith will wither and it will become fragile like the card table. And it will not hold up the weight of life circumstances. I'm more worried about getting off than getting on. The bottom line is this. When we exercise our faith, our faith gets stronger. When we put our faith into action, when we exercise our faith, our faith gets stronger. The more I drive my truck and use the brakes, the more I start to have faith that the brakes are really fixed and I don't have to put both hands on the wheel and squeeze as hard as I can to keep myself from dying. I'm growing in faith. The more we put our faith in action, the more we grow in our faith. So the question I want to ask you is, where is God calling you to exercise faith? And here's what I believe. I believe regardless of where you are in the journey, whether you've known Jesus for two decades or three decades or five decades, or whether you just met Jesus yesterday or whether you're just coming to faith today, God is calling you to exercise your faith. God is going to put you in a place where you have to do something that isn't naturally comfortable for you. Where is God calling you to exercise your faith? Maybe he's saying to you, stop doing this. And it's going to take faith because you've been doing that for so long that it's a place of comfort for you. But you know God is saying, it's not good for you. Stop. Put it away. That's an act of faith. And as you are faithful and you do the thing that God is calling you to do, your faith will grow. So God may be calling you to let go of something. I think God, for a lot of people, is calling you to have a conversation. A conversation that you've been avoiding for a long time. And you've heard the Spirit prompting you, you need to talk to that person. You need to go and you need to have that honest dialogue. You say, well, it just doesn't feel safe to me. That's faith, to, to step into a conversation that you know God is calling you to step into, even though it feels risky. I think for some of you, the step of faith is to say yes to Jesus. You've been hovering around this idea for a long time. You've been hanging out at Grace long enough. Maybe you've even been an alpha for the last two or three weeks, and you've heard this message of Christ a few times, and, and you just know. So you've heard something more than just words. You know there's something going on in your, in your gut. You know that God is speaking to you, and he's saying, it's true. I really did send my son. He really did go to the cross, and he really did die for you. And you're saying, I just need to take a step of faith and invite Jesus into my life. So the band's going to come up, and we're going to transition to communion. But as they're coming up, I just I want to encourage you to ask the question. Even as we hand out the elements, ask the question, God, where is the step of faith that you're asking of me? What are you asking me to do? Where are you asking me to move forward with you? I'm going to pray as they're getting settled, and I just want to encourage you to uh, pray with me. So if, uh, servers, if you want to come down and grab the elements, that's fine. We're going to pass out the elements. If you would just hold them, we'll take them together at the end, but let's just pray. Lord, I just ask that you would speak clearly, even as we sit here this morning and we begin to take the communion elements. Your word says that a man ought to examine himself. So we stop to say, Lord, what do you want us to see? What are you calling us to do? What are you calling us to stop doing? Where is the act of faith for each one of us? And Lord, for the people in the room 
who don't know you, but feel the whisper in their spirit of you calling them to faith. I pray that they would pray the prayer, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I believe you are the Son of God, and I invite you into my life. May that prayer be prayed this morning by those who are far from you. Lord, draw them into your kingdom. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So as they pass out the elements, we're just going to play some music. I just encourage you to hold the elements. We'll take them together. And be in a prayerful state. Examine your own life and ask God, what is the next step for you?